Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Hey church, how you guys doing? Happy Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. We're so grateful for all that you do for your families. Today, we are joined with our live studio audience. So everybody, let the, let the church hear you guys. Let us, let us hear you. Let us hear you. But not only that, we are two churches coming together with yep. one message and one voice because I am joined in the city of Orlando by my very good friend, Pastor oh. Charlie Dawes. Say what's up to the people, man. Hey, so good to be with you guys. Uh, Metro Church family, Celebration Church uh, Orlando family, uh, so glad to be together. Uh, you guys know this, that me and Keith aren't just friends uh, on Instagram, but we're like real life friends. And so it's, it's good to be with you. Yes. Uh, and I'm really excited for us to continue um, our series. Both of our churches uh, have been really looking at the book of Acts mm-hmm. and, and really studying the stories of the early church, yep. um, knowing that the stories of the early church really are the stories of the church today. Indeed. Uh, and Indeed. I'm excited for us to really dive into this passage and talk around uh, an idea and a concept of calling yes. um, that is so integral to the life of every believer. Um, and I really believe that God's got something for us today. And so yes. uh, I think we're going to dive into the text. Yeah. Um, Bishop Pittman, why don't, you, why don't you read the word of God to the gladly, people today? Gladly. Thank you for that setup, Pastor Charlie. I couldn't have done it without you. Okay, we're going to turn to Acts chapter number nine. And, and it's a powerful passage that many may recognize as the conversion of Paul. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's look at it. We're going to look at verse number one and, and kind of see where God leads us. But here we go. But Paul, but Saul, rather, um, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if there was any found belonging to the way, because the way is what they referred to as Christians before um, they had their names changed at Antioch. If any belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless and hearing the voice but seeing no one. So Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. It's, it's a powerful passage. And what we want to do over the next few moments is just unpack this idea about what does it truly mean to be called. So, yeah. so Charlie, let's pray and, and let's yeah. get into it. Let's do it. Father, we love you. Uh, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, it tells us that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And so, God, I pray in the next few moments that you would do that, that you would bring the illumination um, so that we could walk according to your ways, to your precepts, to your plan uh, for our lives. God, we thank you for these uh, churches. We thank you for these families. And Lord, we just pray your rich blessing on all the dads out there. Um, Lord, we're grateful for them. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to pour your spirit out uh, upon our churches uh, in this season and in this time. Um, We love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So so this is is a powerful text that Mm -hmm. is is referred to a lot. I'm pretty sure you and I have both studied this and examined this on on many occasions. And I think there's some things we can highlight from it. But before we jump specifically into that, you and I were having a conversation and we were talking about the concept of being called. Yeah. Because I do think that many of us, we have like a perception of what we believe it means to be called. Mm. We believe that it's, it's simply one thing to be called to do something. Right. But I believe you have like a profound revelation on, on how we can make distinction on the different types of callings and even mm. how some of it gets walked out. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we have conversations around calling, mm-hmm. especially when we're in church circles, people think like, oh, calling, that's what the pastor had. He yep. had a called experience or a moment yep. and, and that, that's for, for them. But for the, the regular sort of people or the regular Christians that mm-hmm. aren't in church work, 
I, I don't know if that actually applies to us. And, and what I would say is, is really calling is something that is applicable to every Christ follower. Amen. So the idea of, of do you have a calling, mm-hmm. the answer from all of us should be a resounding yes. Yeah. The challenge is that the calling on our lives is two parts. Mm-hmm. And many times we, um, we only focus on one of them. And so what mm-hmm. I mean by that is there's a 1A calling and there's a 1B calling. Yep. And so the 1A calling is that we're called to be followers, disciples of Jesus. Amen. And then the 1B calling is how we express that. Yeah. And so here's the challenge, Keith. How many of us devote time, resources, energy, um, we get mentors, we uh, listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. and it's all focused on the 1B calling. Yes. How do I express my discipleship and devotion to mm-hmm. Jesus? And I've put my whole life into that yeah. rather than doubling down and developing just being a follower of Jesus. Come so on. vocation yeah. becomes more important than actual dedication um, to God. Amen. Can the church say amen? Come on, that's good. I like being around people. It's been a while. I know it has. I've preached in a a room with some human beings, and it feels very, very good. Yeah, it it definitely will um, help you feel better about yourself when people actually are looking back and saying amen to you. So so here's something that you said that was really powerful. You said the the 1A and the 1B, understanding like this tension between knowing that we are all called universally. Like that's that's just, we're called to be followers of Christ. So I I was thinking about how how Jesus says, like, if anybody wants to be my disciple, they must Mm. deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. Like, that, like you said, that is all of our assignments. And I think in that, that's like an outline that really gives us an idea of what our responsibility is to deny ourselves. Wow. So often we, we look at our calling and we begin to find ways to add on to ourselves so that we can get to the place that we think we're Ooh. called to go to. But actually the very foundation is that when I look at calling, I'm thinking, what do I have to give up in order to get into this? Not what do I have to gain? Wow. And unfortunately, we often approach it through the, through the lens of what do I need to do? What do I need to add on yep. to walk out my calling? No, what do I need to let go of? We have to, like, we have to let go of some wow. things in order to follow Christ. And so that's kind of one of those things that I've often had. And even in seasons of my life, man, where mm. I've thought about, man, I'm called to. Mm. And we can fill in that blank with anything. Yep. I'm, I'm called to um, a, a region. I'm called to a people group. I remember yep. when I was in youth ministry, I'm called to youth. And I remember when moments would come and I was like invited to step into another role, I really was having like this existential crisis because mm. I'm like, no, but I'm called to them. Mm. But Jesus said, no, you're called to be a follower of me. Powerful. You got to recognize the difference between an assignment and, mm. the, and, the, and the actual calling. And so I recognize That's that great. God has called me to be a pastor. He's called me to be a follower of him. And my assignment is to pastor the people. But when I get locked into a specific demographic, when God is calling me and leading me Mm. to do something different, I end up struggling and finding myself going against the grain, which is what I think we see here with Paul. Yeah. And and think about when when you're saying that, it really makes me think about all of the different called experiences throughout scripture. Because here's what I love about the Bible. Very rarely do you see something discussed or talked about it in an isolated fashion. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the story of God that has been written and started in Genesis and goes all the way through um, Revelation, you begin to see themes and you begin to see patterns sort of emerging. And this idea of calling is very, very significant. And also calling isn't always embraced up front. And so as you're talking, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Jonah. Jonah has this calling and this experience. God's very clear to Jonah. Mm -hmm. He's wrestling with it doesn't want to embrace the full calling and actually kind of diverts his life and attention in a different direction. And it gets him into a place and a time and a Mm -hmm. season of of calamity. And so when you were talking about being faithful to God Mm -hmm. rather than just the expression, and and as you're you're mentioning that, the expression can be location. Mm -hmm. It can be seasonal. Yes. It can be a geographical calling. But what we have to make sure is that in none of those 
are at the expense of actually us opting out of the calling of Mm. God. Because the calling that Jonah has on his life was very, very specific. And Mm -hmm. what he did, and even what Paul was trying to do in his life, was Paul was trying to get a, a certain a certain viewpoint mm-hmm. and a certain group of people that he was called to rather than yeah. the full expression uh, of God's calling. But there was a, a revelation that you had on this passage that, that I thought was profound in terms yeah. of, of how calling is actually integrated with who we are even yes. before we know what God's assignment on our life is. Yes. And, and, and honestly, man, like that's, that's one of the things that I think it's it's eye-opening for me. I, like, I'll, I'll tell you my personal story. So for me, when, when, before I've surrendered my life to Christ, before I fully was all in, I've, I accumulated different gifts. I accumulated the ability to communicate. You know, I used to, you know, I used to rap. Everybody knows that. And one day I'm going to spit some flames Same. for you. One also, day I'm going I'm I'm to leave you guys. I'm going to let you go. a rapper. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, we almost had that group going. But, but here's the thing. Ebony and Ivory yeah, was the name the of it. Yeah, and, and it's coming. So our yeah. mixtape is going to drop, and y'all better check it out. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but here's the thing. I remember when I, I remember all the energy, the time, mm-hmm. the money mm-hmm. I invested into developing this skill set, whatever you want to call it. I just felt like, man, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock the crowd. Yeah. And then I get called. Like I get radically saved, and I begin to recognize that God is doing something in me. And so mm-hmm. I, I was left with, what do I do with all these skills I accumulated. I went to school for communication. I got, these, I got this comfort in regards of being in front of people. What do I do with that? What, what God began to do is like, no, you don't have to discard that. You surrender it to me, and I'm going to show you how I can redeem that uh, and use that. it for something powerful. Yeah. So when we look at Paul, we see literally in the text, and bro, this just stood out yeah. to me as I've showed it to you. It says that he was on his road, he was on the road to Damascus, and he was carrying letters from the high priest right. to justify why they were going to arrest everybody that they came across. Paul has this conversion moment, this eye-opening experience. And then we see later on, what does Paul end up doing? Writing letters mm-hmm. and sending them to the churches. Literally, yeah. God is using the very same passion that he had. He redirected it for the sake of building the kingdom. And I truly believe that for many of us, we're wondering, what do I do with some of these things that I'm passionate about? Yep. What do I do with some of these skills that maybe I've accumulated? Maybe it's not so much that you have to let them all go. Mm. Maybe God wants you to surrender it to him and allow him to be glorified through that gift instead of just walking away from it. It's powerful because there's that... There is the fear of, of discarding. And, yeah. and here's the thing. When you get, you get saved, you're kind of in church, and, and you begin to know some of the text and some of the Bible, mm-hmm. it, it can produce faith, and it also can pr- produce some trepidation. And yeah. here's what I mean by that. You hear someone that reads the narrative of the, par- of the, the bearing of the talents. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they're concerned with their, with their calling. Mm-hmm. If I answer this, am I burying my talent? Mm-hmm. But what you said in terms of not discarding it but actually surrendering it, yeah. It all begins, if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, what begins with my calling is it's actually not my external talents, but it's the posture of my heart. Come on. That if I'm, if I'm willing to be surrendered and I laid down my yes. life, then, then what John says in his gospel, if a single grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, mm-hmm. that it will produce a harvest that is over. It's speaking yes. of Jesus. But I also think it speaks to the followers of Christ in Absolutely. terms of us laying our life down. Yes. And, and we've said it before. Many of us will, will never be asked as the early church martyrs were or, or the persecuted church uh, uh, around the globe today to surrender our actual lives. Yeah. But I think the problem for us is, are we willing to surrender our livelihoods? That's it. Are we willing That's to it. surrender the, the, the nine to five job? Are we willing to go in mm-hmm. a different direction or even, even more so, are we willing to see that the nine to five job it's actually funding our ministry habit. That's it. And that's the key that thing. I, that I'm doing this. That's the key thing. But who I am actually isn't this. Yes. And I think here's a, here's a tension with some of this stuff. Because like you said, yep. there's, there's many people, they attend a church and they, and they kind of see like, 
the holy ones, the ones yeah. who were on platform, whatever that may look like. And we're like, okay, there's a different calling. And, and I look at it as we all have different assignments and all yep. that stuff, but, but we get the point. That. So we, we, we see that. But a lot of times, even the church can often perpetuate mm-hmm. that, that narrative of being called into ministry. It mm-hmm. looks one way because it's, hey, be a part of this mentorship group yep. or be a part of this thing. And we feel like the only way I can truly express my calling yep. is by ending up on staff at a church. And that's the one B mm-hmm. point you were making. Because being in ministry for, for the amount of time that both of us have and you working in the college environment, like all of us have, have kind of had those moments yep. where you're having a conversation with someone and they're trying to reconcile what they feel like they are called mm. to do in their current season because yep. there's a gap. Like, I feel like I'm called to blank, but I'm not doing that right now. And so I'm pretty sure you and I both have had conversations with people who are mm. frustrated because they're not at the place that they feel like they heard God was calling them to go right. into. So, so what would you say to someone? Mm. They, they recognize that I'm called to do something. Maybe yep. there's somebody out there that's watching and they truly do feel called into ministry. Typically, when I have those conversations, I dig a little bit deeper to mm-hmm. flesh out why do you feel like that's the only expression. But, but let's say we're past that. What do you say to someone when, they're, when their life doesn't match their calling right now? Yeah. It's patience is yep. one. And play the long game. Yeah. Right? Play the long game. So when I look at my own story, mm-hmm. um, kind of my, my background, I, I, I'd worked in a local church and then had opportunity to work at, at Southeastern for uh, a number of years. Mm-hmm. And now when I was there, when I was at Southeastern, that's kingdom work. It's a Christian university. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's Christ-centered, student-focused. Like there's mm-hmm. all those things are there. But let's be very, very clear. My title there, there was the word pastor was not yep. in it at all. Yep. But you could not convince me that I was not a pastor and I was not pastoring that university every day that I yep. was there, that I was not pastoring Come students. On. So I think what happens, and I think God rewards this. Mm-hmm. I don't have theology to this yet, so maybe you can help me. But I, I think when God sees the faithfulness in your life, yep. even when it isn't your title, even mm-hmm. when it isn't necessarily your job function, but you are, you are operating out of a spirit of obedience yes. and a spirit of surrender, I think that's when God begins to kind of put his hand on that mm-hmm. and begins to see like, oh, will you do this in a hidden season? Come on. And then I'll do this in a season in your yeah. life and, and I'll change it. So I, I, look at, I look at my story as one going, I knew this was in, in me, meaning yeah. what I was going to be doing right now with our life, like vocationally pastoring mm-hmm. a local church. Yeah. I had that kind of specific calling, but it took yes. season upon season. If I can trace it back to being 15 years old in my home church, feeling a call on my life. Yeah. And here's what I'll tell you. I got a lot of education. And so I can make it sound a lot more dramatic right now, but that initial call moment, yeah. I just wanted my life to count for Jesus. Yep. So isn't That's it great. amazing that as we get a little education, we get a little bit of age to us, we get a little bit of life experience, we get banged up a little bit. Now we start talking about calling mm-hmm. a lot different than just wanting my life to count for Jesus. Yes. Now it's got to be my life counts for Jesus and they got to give me a retirement package. Come on. I got to get yeah. my, my life has to count for Jesus yeah. and it has to actually be this position and this location yeah. at this pay rage yeah. rather than I just want to be surrendered to God. I think the church would be much more potent mm-hmm. and powerful in our communities if we understood the 1A calling of being yeah. devoted to Jesus, yes. and then wherever I'm expressing that vocationally, yes. I'm not waiting until I get that dream job. Yes. I'm stepping into that moment. Yes. I've had the, some of the best words of knowledge that I've ever had someone. Mm-hmm. Some of the best moments where the spiritual uh, gifts have been in operation in my life have not been at the altar of a church, but has, has me been in a, an office setting Absolutely. that wasn't in a Christian environment. Yep. And, and the Lord would use me to minister and pastor people. Why? Because the calling on my life 
isn't only expressed yep. in a vocation. That's so the true. calling of my life is what I have to carry yes. day in and day out. Yeah. And I think what's, what's so brilliant about that is, is recognizing that the calling is with you. Ooh, good. So no matter where you go, the calling is with you. Yeah. So here, here's the thing that I think is so important. And, you know, both of our churches have really been putting a lot of effort into, especially in this season of, of quarantine, being right. in homes, of equipping homes so that they can express the thing that they're called to do yes. without being dependent on the church. And so we, we understand how those, all these things work themselves out, but the calling, it goes with you. So in your calling, can you express being a devout follower of Jesus with your wife? Mm. Can you express being a devout follower of Jesus with your children? Yeah. It's literally taking that calling and expressing it in everywhere. And that's how you bear the fruit of the spirit where people can recognize and distinguish where you're at. And I think that's the key thing with, with all of this stuff is recognizing that the calling goes with us. I love so it. so as, we, as we look at Paul, and you talked about patience, and I think that is such a crucial component. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at Paul, here's a man who, he was well-versed yeah. in scripture. Like he no, knew no. it, and he's literally doing the best he can. He has this encounter with Jesus because he has this, this desire, this, this, this passion of, of trying to speak truth. Mm-hmm. He has this encounter with God, and God tells him, okay, you, you're not going to be able to see it right now. I think that there's something to be said about that, mm. that delay where he hears and has this encounter with Jesus. But I think that, that, that introduction of, but you're going to have to go a couple of days where you're not going to be able to see anything, mm. you're going to be in isolation. Yep. And I think that speaks to that concept of patience yep. because I think Paul had to do some work in his mind. So when we're talking about calling, I think sometimes when we're talking about surrender, we probably got to surrender the way that we think it should be. Oh, that's good. We probably got to surrender how we think it's going to work out. We probably got to process through the seasons and all those things. I think that that all works itself into it. So in those seasons of silence, Mm. it's allowing us to get alone with God where we're not so devoted to a geography. We're not Mm. so devoted to anything because we recognize that we had a true encounter with Jesus. And what we see with Paul's writing is that later in scriptures, we see that no one could take Paul's calling from him. Mm. When he presented himself to the disciples, he was able to go back to them and quote scriptures because he had his own experience with Jesus. Here's the point. I think when we have a true recognition of our calling, we're not waiting for someone else to give us permission to pursue it. Ah, that's great. I think that's That's the key thing. I'm not waiting for anyone else. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender it. I'm going to submit it, but I'm not waiting for permission to pursue the thing that I know that God Mm -hmm. has called me to do. So let's, let's talk about this for a moment. Let me jump on the back half of that. Please. Okay. Yeah. By all means. No, no. Cause, cause here's the thing that I want to encourage some of you. Let's just be honest. Many of us are, our past don't, it doesn't look very, very neat. Yeah. It, it's not the it's not the Paul that was studying the scriptures yeah. and it was I mean Paul's past was like murdering churches yeah, so that's probably a bad thing so maybe you're not murdering a church which is great you're doing good but maybe it, it just doesn't feel like your past actually is the prerequisite for where you're wanting to go in your future yeah. and I want to I want to encourage you but I also want to warn you on this people are going to just as they did with Paul yeah. they reminded Paul his entire life yeah. hey you used to be Saul yes. The disciples had a difficult time realizing so true. who he was now after this call encounter with Jesus. Yes. So the encouragement that I want to give is just be faithful, but understand that there's going to be some people that are going to still identify you by how you used to behave yes. and what you used to do. And it will be your consistency yeah. that will confirm the calling on your life. That's good, man. It's not that I had a moment or an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. It's no... Check the receipts. I've been doing this for a while. I'm going to stay steady with this, even in the face of opposition. I think sometimes people surrender their calling far too quickly. Come on. When look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. How many years does Jesus have preparation? 30 years, man. 30 years for three years of ministry. Yes. How many of us, think about this, and I'll be honest. If someone would have said to me, Charlie, I need 30 years 
30 years mm-hmm. for three years of ministry. Yeah. No one's signing up for that. Nobody's signing up for that. No one's signing up for that. And maybe that's why we don't have the same power that Jesus had in Come his on, ministry. Say that. We're not willing for the preparation. But you know what I look over my life? How old was I before I became a, 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 the lead pastor in Metro Church? Yeah. I was 37 years old. Yeah. So you know what happened? For 37 years of yeah. my life, God was forming me and shaping yes. me. So the reality is this is we're all going to have seasons where we're being groomed. Mm-hmm. And seasons that we have to take the responsibility of that preparation. And that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So, so what are some of those things that we can do? Let's, let's say, again, for, for an audience of people that are, that are there's, there's a variety. In Orlando, there's a diversity yeah. of it. And, of course, in, in, in the D.C. area, there's a diversity of it. But everybody is, is probably just trying to sort it all out. Yeah, no doubt. And, maybe, and maybe in this season of quarantine, God's begun to stir some things up. God's begun to activate some yep. things in them, and they feel like, yeah, I do feel like I'm called to yep. do more. I've had so many conversations with, with many in our, in our congregation that have said, like, I feel like I'm called to do something, but I, I don't know what it is. Mm. And so I, my response has been, be faithful, with, be faithful where you are, yep. be very consistent and faithful with where you are, but really begin to press in and ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What do yes. I feel driven to? And a lot of times, and what that is, that's where the preparation comes in. Yeah. So what would you say? are some practical ways that people can just begin to develop whatever skill sets they need. Because the 37 years before yep. you became the, the lead pastor of Metro, you had a bunch of different experiences. You had a call. You weren't fully walking in it. I think many of us can relate to that, mm-hmm. myself included. But now that you're in it, you don't start preparing now that you have the opportunity. Correct. You've been preparing the whole time. Sure. What are some of those things that you did that, that kind of stayed some of that anxiousness? Those yep. moments when you were like, man, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Because yeah. I remember, and let's just be, we'll be candid for a moment. I'm going to yep. put you on the spot. But I remember there was a, a time when you, we were having a conversation and you were saying you were at Southeastern. And there was a moment where you knew that you were on a certain career path. And if yep. you really were to double down, you knew that it would have been hard for you to leave. Yep. Like you would have been locked in and you were committed to being in that space. For sure. But there was something that God was kind of restricting you from because he knew he was calling you to do some work. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit, man. Like, yeah. what do you, how do you develop? How do you prepare? What did you do to kind of allow you to step into this moment with, with boldness in the way that yeah. you have? I think a couple of things for me is I've, I've been very, very fortunate that I've always had a circle of people around me. Mm-hmm. And I've been intentional with who I allowed in that circle yeah. that could speak truth to me. So the, the powerful thing in my life is, is my, my wife has been one of those resounding voices. Yeah. And so, so the reality is about Southeastern, there was many times that I would come home excited. Hey, babe, we're going to be here for 35 years. We're going to retire from this job. This yeah. is going to be great. And she would remind me, no, we're not. Mm. No, we're not. we're not. We're not putting roots. This isn't a place to put roots down. Wow. This is a place for us to serve and be faithful. Yeah. But that's not, the calling. that's not the calling on your life. That's not the calling on, on our life. So, so have fun. Yeah. But just understand. Yeah. So, so again, I think, yeah. I think people that can be honest with you is huge. I think yes. for me and my personal, my personal story, education was part of that. Yep. So there's, there's different types of preparation, mm-hmm. so I want to be clear on that. Yeah. But for me, w- one of the callings on my life is I felt like the Lord has, has asked me to take complex things and things that are complicated mm-hmm. and make it plain, make yep. it simple. Yep. Hashtag simple prayer. If you haven't checked out that book, it's on Amazon. It's a great book. Um, it's a good Father's Day gift. Yeah, it's a great Father's Day gift. Yeah, for sure. Dad, thanks so much for buying a lot of the copies. Um, <laughs> I've been using your credit card. I've been buying copies for a lot of people, so appreciate you, Dad, so much. Um, but, but for me, it was God was asking me to pursue him in education. And gotcha. here's what that was for me. Education for me was not about uh, uh, opening new sets of doors for my life. Mm-hmm. It, it could be that for people. It wasn't yeah. for me. It was a sense of devotion. Yeah. At every degree level, I felt like my soul was being enlarged. Yeah. I felt like God was taking me to a deeper place. Mm-hmm. I was doing that personally because I knew in order to take somewhere else, someone, someone to some other place, yep. 
I have to go there first. Go. Yeah. I have to be able to dive into these things. I have to be able to divide and handle the scriptures well so that I could bring contextualization yes. uh, into a very pluralistic society. I, mm-hmm. I, I knew that was the calling of my life. So I knew education was mm-hmm. the preparation. So, so again, I think people, I think preparation, I, I think we, we undervalue this and this is the deal. You need to pray about this. Come on. And it has to be not a, a God, give me a calling or God, make it mm-hmm. clear. But it has to be a consistent diet in your life yes. where I'm, I'm in, I'm engaged in the spirit and, and I'm, I'm not letting go. God, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. getting or moving from this place until I hear from you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm allowing my, my soul to be connected. And then the, the, the final thing I would say is you have to practice. Yeah. You, you have to have a place where you are, you're strengthening this muscle. Mm-hmm. A place where you're actually, you're, you're trying some things out. And, and meaning this, before you can pastor a church, pastor a small group. Say that. Before you can lead somebody else, lead yourself. Mm-hmm. So there, there's sometimes, if we're, if we're waiting for the calling to be expressed in the, in the vocation, mm-hmm. We will actually never be prepared to do the very thing we're called to do. Say that. That's good. Before Jesus is ever preaching a message or he's performing a miracle, for 30 years, he's studying the scriptures. Yep. For 30 years, he's being molded in community. Mm-hmm. For 30 years, he is becoming more aware of the knowledge of mm-hmm. who his father is. Yep. And the moment that he has an encounter with Jesus or that Jesus has an encounter with the, with the father at yep. baptism, mm-hmm. it actually initiates it his calling. Yep. It activates it. Yeah. And I want to ask you a question in terms of kind of landing this for some of our, our dads. Yeah. I know I've said this to you privately, but I, I respect the way that you, that you, that you parent and you, you father. Your, I was like, Keith's a patriarch. You know what a patriarch is? Keith's a patriarch. He's got family meetings. They gather around. They honor him as father. He is Father Abraham. There's no other way. He has many sons. Um, <laughs> and also Denier. And so there, there's a... I, 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 I've always respected the way that you, do, that you do that. Because for you, fatherhood is not functional. No. Fatherhood is formational. Yes. And, and I, I think it could be such a help if you would just give a little bit of, of that, how you feel called into yeah. that and how you steward that. I think it would mm. be incredibly helpful. And that's, that's, that's a good one. I, I, first, it's, it's challenging for me, for me to think that my life and the way that I live, which is normal to me, is in any way like going to be helpful because you're just you're just doing what you do right. but but i think that you you raise a good point and so i think for me quite honestly the inspiration because i've had conversations with with many dads and and the, the, the response has often been i didn't have a father in my life so i don't know how to be a father mm-hmm. and i completely understand that and I'm, I'm grateful um for the men in my life my uncles and people that have been a part of my life but for me um my biological father walked out when i was four my mm-hmm. stepfather came in when i was about eight so he raised me, that's my dad and all that stuff. But for the, for the sake of this conversation, yep. I remember, because Keith Jr., he was born, I'm, I'm like 18 years old. I got, I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the only thing I knew to do was I didn't want to manufacture the feelings that I had towards my biological father, so mm-hmm. just do the opposite. So what I began to do is like, I was looking at, I don't want my son to feel broken, so I'm gonna make sure that I'm present at every single thing that he has mm-hmm. going on. I don't want my family. So I just began to look at how I felt in different moments, yeah. and I stepped into those moments and did the opposite. So that could be an encouragement for any of our dads out there that are wondering, what do you do if you didn't have like the best role model? Mm-hmm. Just look at how you felt at times and produce the opposite in the yeah. lives of your children. Yeah. But, but in addition to that, I think, um, I, I think it's the calling, the calling that was on my life, which is to be very family-oriented and to draw us close. Mm-hmm. I knew that I could not, I knew that I could not um, outsource parenting my children. Mm. 
And I think, unfortunately, what we can have sometimes is that mm, we, we lose sight of the fact that we are the most authoritative voices in our children's lives. We are the ones who are forming them. And I know that there's God of great resources out there, but I still believe that in spite of all the social media and all the other things, that my voice matters. Yeah. Because it has attached to it this divine calling and anointing that will plant a seed that will produce something even if it's not right yes. now. So what I recognize, and I still do to this moment, is that I choose my words very... I'm very serious about what I say with my family. I'm very mindful of how I use my words because I realize I'm planting seeds. And I think if we can approach parenting, being husbands, like if we look at it as I'm having a conversation and this conversation may not fix everything, mm. but I'm planting a seed and I'm going to leave God something to work with. That's what I believe. I, I love I, that. I say this phrase, I and I'm not that. sure if it's theological, but I always say we got to give God something to work with. I plant a seed and mm. let God work with it. So that's, it. that's just kind of been my approach, man. No, I, I love that. And I think what it, what it can do is encourage. And, and I would say this, like, you're doing better than you think you are. Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. think uh, I think sometimes we you know, we can get caught up looking at other people. Yes. Um, and, and I'll share this this story. Uh, there was a, a few years ago. I, I remember looking on Instagram and I saw somebody post a, a picture and uh, they were doing something with their kid. And I immediately had the, I immediately had this feeling of like I suck. I suck <laughs> as a dad. I'm like a ter- yes. I'm a terrible Charlie. You're a terrible dad. Yeah. Yes. And I and I got in this funk for for you know 72 hours or so, mm-hmm. three days. Yeah. I saw a picture. Yep. Some of us haven't. You know, and, and here's the thing. And, and I'll say this. The person's life behind that photo mm-hmm. was in shambles. Yeah. And, and you later find out that, that in that moment, it wasn't what it seemed to be yeah. in the image. So true. And here I am allowing myself to feel all of this sort of shame. Like I'm not the Pinterest dad. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't have this moment or, or why don't I have an underwater camera to take all of these pictures of my yeah. kids with? Like, why don't I have that? Like, yes. When the reality is, is I'm, I'm just called to, like you said, I'm a plant a seed. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give a word of encouragement. Yeah. I'm going to give a word of correction. Yeah. I'm going to give them something to follow. Yeah. And I'm going to have loads of grace for them. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm sorry real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to learn and I'm going to teach and model confession and repentance yep. with my kids. Yep. And I'm going to give God something to work with. What a, yep. what a powerful, what a powerful thought and encouragement. And here's the thing. And this is for the, the fathers who are, who have daughters. Do everything you can to mm. set a standard. It's great. To set a standard that will allow your daughter, when she's looking for someone, to mm. say, I want someone who, was, who reminds me of my dad. Yep. Someone who was protective. Someone who was kind. Someone who was encouraging. So I've, I've said this on multiple occasions, and I don't apologize for it. Yep. Like, if you, if you want to get to my daughter, you have to go through me. Mm. It's, it's a fact. She's looking over there right now. She's literally shaking her head. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it's the reality. She's like, Dad, you literally are, like, killing any opportunity for me to have a love life. I don't care. Yeah. But my point is, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If they're not man enough to go through me, they're not yeah. man enough for her. Hey, say it. And that's, and that's my standard. So I do believe that we have to recognize that the life that yeah. we live, we model something so that it can set a standard that hopefully um, that your sons want to be yeah. and that your, that your daughters possibly want to be. I so that. Reminds them I of that. that. So I, think I just think it's thing. amazing that, that you're okay with your daughter dating because the Lord has actually told me that Haley's going to be a nun. And so that's wonderful. I got That's awesome for you. Well, I, I, that's not confirmed. So like okay. yeah, I, yeah. that may have bear witness in my spirit leave right now. Leave some space for the Holy I'm Spirit. Leave, I'm going to yeah. leave God. Like, do you planted a seed? Yeah. I'm going to see if that's what see God what says. See what God wants to say. And, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, but if she does stay a nun, she's going to at some point start kicking in for rent because she's getting expensive. Um, so let's 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 get ready to wrap this. We're up. sorry, church. Yeah, we're sorry. Like let's 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 wrap. We're sorry, this up. Um Because what we do realize is that for for some that may be watching, you yeah. know, we may have some people that are watching that have never watched, or different people, mm-hmm. and they may be feeling 
this stirring in their heart, but maybe the yeah. next thing they need to do is they're, they're called to say yes to Jesus. Right. So could, could you just walk us through yeah. like a best way for them to engage in what their next steps can be? Yeah, because before you can figure out the 1B calling, you've yep. got to take care of the 1A calling. Absolutely. And, and so for us, we, we say things like this, and, and the Bible says this, and so that's a good thing for us to say, is yes. that uh, there's, all of us have, have sinned and we fall short. There's all of this um, brokenness in our life and in our world, and, and what we realize is that there's a moment where the Holy Spirit will nudge us. Yeah. And our response to that, our, our being aware of, of, of God's reality invading our reality, we would say we move from death to life in that moment. Come on. It's the beginning of, of our, our new journey. It's not the end of something, mm-hmm. um, but it is the beginning of something. It's Absolutely. the beginning of a, of a long obedience in, in the same direction. Yes. And so what I would say is if you're, you're watching with us and, and you're like, man, I, I want to make that decision and I want to take a step across that line and I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus with, with not just my, my job functions, but mm-hmm. I actually want to trust him with my with my life. I want to yes. surrender that. I'll make him Lord. Uh, here's what I would say. It's an easy thing to do. You, you, in this moment, you bow your head and you just simply say, God, I'm, I'm yours. I'm no longer holding on, but I'm going to live in a posture of surrender. It doesn't have to be a formal prayer. It doesn't yep. have to be something that is, that is articulated for you. It's literally a posture of your heart. Absolutely. And the Bible says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. that it happens in that moment. In There's moment. a supernatural change and shift yep. um, that happens. And so I know for, for you in Celebration Orlando, you've got some instructions you maybe yep. want to give a person. Absolutely. Um, and I'll give some instructions for Metro Church as well. So if you're part of our Celebration um, Orlando family, we want to congratulate you and thank you so much for, for taking this journey with us. If you do feel like, like God has nudged you and you're, and you're receiving that in the same way with Paul. Paul didn't pray a, a, a magnificent prayer. Right. He just accepted it and he began to walk it out. And so if that's you, um, your next step will simply be to text the word DECIDE to 25101. And then we have team members that are going to respond and, and give you all the resources that you need to begin that next step on what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Yeah, and for Metro Church, what we would say is uh, you can either log in the app or you can go to a website. And we would love for you to jump into foundations. We think it's the great next step for you as we can help you figure out what it is to follow Jesus uh, in this moment. And we're grateful and we're honored that we get a chance to do that with you. Absolutely. So, Keith, I know today we were going to end, um, and really we would, we would love for everyone kind of tuning in to end yeah. this way. Um, is with communion. Because yes. uh, I think embracing um, the body and the blood of Christ uh, is a way that we can embrace um, this calling uh, on our life. Absolutely. And I think, it's, I think it's very fitting because when we think about the idea in which we establish, which I think is like the, the theme throughout this entire conversation of the, the 1A calling, being, being fully surrendered and mm-hmm. understanding that when we take communion, it's recognition mm-hmm. of the surrender of Christ, yeah. but also our mutual um, surrender that, that we are unto Christ. Yeah. So we recognize that the, the body, this bread that we have in our hands, and so we have our, our community that's here with us that are getting it out. Um, and even for you at home, if you're, if you're getting it out, we know that the bread, it, it represents the body of Christ. And Jesus says with his disciples, how this is my body, it's, it's broken for you. Mm-hmm. But what I love so beautifully is that what Jesus shared with his disciples and what we refer to as the Last Supper, Paul later articulates with such great clarity mm. to the Corinthian church. Yeah. It once again speaks to the fact of how all these things are in unison, yeah. of how Paul was able to articulate the messiness of what Jesus was doing yeah. in such a way that, that it, it now inspires us. So as a family and as a community, I want us all to, to grab a hold of this bread and, and understanding that this is, this is the broken body of Christ and it's the very thing that allows us to be made whole. So yeah. as a family and as a community, let's, let's go ahead and take it together. Yeah. Paul says in his writing that uh, at that table that Jesus, after giving thanks for the bread, he then gives thanks for the cup and he holds it and he says, this is the the symbol, this is the emblem of the new covenant. He said, this is my shed blood that was poured out for you. We recognize that the the Bible is very, very clear without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. 
And so when we embrace the body and we take the cup, what we know is that the price that was paid um, for us, um, we actually can be reminded and we remember. This is a time where we remember what Christ has done and what Christ is doing uh, in our life. And so come on, let's take this um, together, church. Charlie, man, it's, it's been great having this conversation, man. I'm so grateful um, that we could get together. I'm yeah. grateful that you're here in Orlando. We're going to hang sure. out. You're going to come over. And, and the church is here in Orlando. They've already heard me talk extensively about my new grill, yeah. Trigger Nation. And you're going to come over and get some of that. Yes. Um, so I'm glad we're going to be able to hang together, man. But would you mind just like just praying us out, man? Yeah. I think this moment has been powerful. But if we keep talking, man, it will go through a whole yeah, other message. Sure. So church, may you leave here from this moment knowing that the God who called you is the same God that will equip you. The God who whispers into your heart and into your mind, this is the way, walk ye in it, will also be the God that opens up doors and opportunities for you to express your devotion to him and his kingdom in ways that you never could have imagined. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We love you, church. We'll see you soon. Bless.
just want you and nothing else and nothing else oh nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else no nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else and nothing else will do I just want you and nothing else Hey Celebration, what an amazing service we had. Hey, before you go, don't forget, we have our C-Kids and Youth Services happening right now after this message at 11 a.m. And also, if you wanna make sure that you know everything that we are doing here at Celebration Church, make sure you follow us on social media. Hey church, we love you and we'll see you next week. today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this, or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.